There, I'll repeat myself. Call to order the July 22nd, 2021 <coughs> Planning Commission meeting. Um, would you please call the roll? Commissioner Flicker. Commissioner Britton. Commissioner Arasi. Here. Commissioner Sheard. Here. Commissioner Sh Helen. Here. Commissioner Jenkins. Here. And Chairperson Derling. Here. Okay, will everyone rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? <coughs> Okay, this is the time where if you have an item that you uh, it's not on the uh, agenda that you want to bring up, uh, it's time to do it. Um, uh, we can't take any action or anything. So seeing no one, we'll continue. Oh, hang on. Uh, we do have one speaker, Brian Wong. Oh. You didn't stand. <laughs> I, I didn't see a hand raised. <laughs> now you under, you understand we cannot take any action. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't do these very often at planning commission, so I was a little confused. Sorry. Um, so anyway, to introduce myself, my name is uh, Brian Wong. I'm a, a business owner downtown, um, also a property owner. I also sit on the board of the Orville Downtown Business Association and also a board member on the uh, Orville uh, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of studying on uh, downtowns and older cities like ours. And I also watch a lot of uh, business news to watch trends and how Orville can improve ourselves. So one of the recent things that I've learned was uh, some of the malls that's been really affected by um, like Amazon and COVID and everything else that's been struggling. Actually, they're doing better because they're actually using the formula of downtowns. So downtowns uh, for quite many years now, they've actually been doing well because they're not affected by Amazon as much. So when studying some of these downtown formulas, there are certain things that downtowns are doing that are positive and successful, and there are certain things that are not. So there's definitely like a certain formula that people follow to make downtowns vibrant. So um, because of what I'm trying to do, I always like listen to you know, what's going on in the community, especially here in Orville, and what's going on. So it was brought to my attention recently that um, where the Orville Convention Center is, there's been consideration for a, uh, a handicap ramp. And I believe it was going to be put in where the fountain is right now. So um, I don't know whether my source was correct in stating that, but I just want to kind of like, you know, speak out that we need to give that more thought because that's the focal point of the whole downtown. Oh, can we keep him, allow him to keep going? 
Yeah, you've run out of time, but uh, we get the point. We get the message. Yes. And uh, I don't know if anything's coming up in the near future about the about all of that. Uh, uh, that's actually the project I'm working on. So, Brian, we can get together on that. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Together with. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's a very important focal point for a major street, which is Meyer Street. Looking down, at one time there used to be a beautiful arch there. So I think you know, for the you know the betterment of Orville, we really need to look at the end there because as you're standing that's on the street, all the we got, we got the message. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Do we don't have anyone else? That is the last speaker. Okay. Um, uh, now it's time to time. I open this session of the Planning Commission. Uh, if we only have three people here, if any of you want to uh, talk, did you fill out or could you fill out a, a blue sheet and give it to the clerk? That way we know a record of who you are. If we need to get back to you or whatever, so yeah, Mr. Chairman, they're all here uh, relating to projects, so. Uh, we have their names and contact information okay. and everything. Okay. Um, and we'll go on to uh, uh, first agenda item, minor use permit for alcohol sales. Staff. Mr. Chairman and Commissioners, um, Connor Musler is here from um, his vacation spot in Hawaii. <laughs> and he will make the presentation. Connor, is that uh, over to you? Yes. Yes. Uh, good evening, commissioners. <laughs> nice, Matt. <laughs> good evening, commissioners. Connor Musler, assistant planner. This item is a minor use permit for alcohol sales at the recently opened Misrenas Carniceria at 1933 Oro Dam Boulevard, Suite E. The market and restaurant are located in the Oro Plaza Shopping Center in the former Chinese Buffet and Blueberry Twist Restaurant Suite. City code requires that all alcohol sales in the city receive a use permit prior to conducting sales. The applicant is applying for two different ABC licenses. The first is a Type 41 for beer and wine sales for on-site consumption in the restaurant the second is a type 20 license for beer and wine sales for off-site consumption to be sold in the market like other grocery stores within the city. Within the immediate vicinity of the Carniceria, there are three establishments that sell alcoholic beverages. Two of them are for on-site consumption within a restaurant and one is for off-sale. Should the commission approve the use permit, staff is also asking for approval to preemptively send a letter of public convenience or necessity to ABC should it be determined that an over-concentration exists within this census tract. This item was reviewed by the DRC on July 8th. Krista Garitano and store owner Marcelino Heredia are here to answer any questions that the commission may have. Staff recommends approval of this item. Any questions of staff? Open the public hearing for the item. Is there someone that wants to make a presentation? 
Watch the clock. Oh, okay. I guess there is a clock. Okay. No, there isn't. Yeah. Oh, when, when it's out. Okay. <laughs> My name is Marcelino Heredia, and I am sorry. I am the owner of Carniceria Mis Reinas, a 1933 Oro Dam Boulevard. I am also the owner of uh, Las Reinas in Calusa, California. So I, you know, we I've started this since 20, 2016. I took over from a family own business. I used to run my cattle. That's all I did before, you know, I jumped into this. My cousin offered me the opportunity. I jumped in and I started actually providing my cattle to the meat company that provides us now the food. Okay. And just wanted to tell you guys basically a little bit of where that has came from is Cottonwood, Red Bluff, Tuscaloosa, and out to Oroville. Since I have family that live here and always been coming here for a good while, we needed one. We really needed one here. So I'm here to say that basically I know a little bit of what needs to, you know, happen here in this area with, you know, if you guys give me that right to uh, beer and wine and all that. Um, a little bit of experience for having the other one, but other than that, just wanted to say hi to all and any questions if you guys need it. Any questions of the applicant? I've got one. Yes, sir. How many cattle? I'm a, I'm a former cow guy. <sighs> well. How many head? Right now, uh, we were running 160 head, but that all cut down yeah, since last that's, year. That's why I asked. It's um, yeah, we since last year, since all this started, we uh, we actually had to drop and sell what we can, and our consumer, which is the people that provide that for us, was going to stop too because of their productivity level going down too. Well, so yeah. it was taking longer for me to feed, to gain them, and actually just feed and not getting no profit off yeah. of it. That's why I asked. I, I just uh, feel for, you know, I was basically born and raised on the back of a horse <laughs> chasing cows and calves. And, yeah, and, well, uh, I, I didn't use so horses, I, but I would run after them, yes. <laughs> so okay. Little, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Oh, I have a question. I have, no? yeah. oh, we I'm have sorry. a couple more questions, okay. I think. I don't have anything that tells me anymore. Um. It says here that you're going to have a 2,052-square-foot restaurant and a 3,400-square-foot market. Is that right? Yes. Well, I don't have any way to show it. But um, where it was prior existing, um, if you guys remember the Chinese buffet, right, it had a big kitchen in the back. And I don't know exact um, footage. And in the front, which, which was the service area where you would sit down, all the tables and everything, that got converted into the meat market area. All that, you know, all the products and everything we have out there got filled up there. The restaurant area continued the same. We prep our food, we do everything, and that's what uh, we do all our orders. I should have brought this myself. 
So I was on page in there. eighteen of your agenda packet shows the floor on plan. Eighteen. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I can't read the numbers. Okay. So your question. So where it says, yeah. no, because I, I I was in there on Monday. Yes. Nice market. Yes. And I just saw, you know, you walk in and you got the big market, and then you have the you have the meat counters where you're selling. Then mm -hmm. you have the behind there where the kitchen is. And then you have this other little market area alongside where the restrooms go, where the drinks were, and and the stuff on the shelves. Yes. So is is any is that part going to going to be converted into uh, a restaurant? No. The the general idea of it was the patio area because that's on there is like 300 square feet of of area uh, yeah the patio area right, right there did you see when we yeah that's the area we basically want our customers to be well to be able to serve our customers there so uh, you're not going to have indoor dining no 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 okay. it's it's a taqueria style to, uh, pick up and go or take out sit we just wanted to have a general area where people could come and sit down and enjoy our food if they wanted to stay there and keep ordering or any little thing okay. so and you're and you're keeping that gate up i i want to yes okay i think uh i could put um well i want to keep it for now because i want to add you know um just like there is a tv out there to have better you know something fun for the customers and all that so right. yeah right okay. i would like to keep it yeah all right so then it's basically this uh, five thousand square foot store and then the out the dining yes outside. yes okay that was my question I do. I did the right thing, so I'm I'm actually right there. Oh, now. Really? So finally, I, I sorry I didn't do that. <laughs> um, I think it's such oh. a great idea. Thank oh. you for doing it. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> thing that, that we need. Um, and I do think it's neat the images that you did of the butcher mm -hmm. images on the front. I like that too. I was wondering um, when you were going to be able to finish painting it and get a sign and maybe some plants just to make it. Oh, yes. Um, actually, well, my mom and dad um, put some plants, well, in the patio area. Oh, okay. Yes, and we did white rock there already. The painting, mm -hmm. I do have on file, well, I don't think I've submitted anything yet, but I do have a company, Ace uh, Plumbing and Construction. Oh. They, I'm in their agenda, and it. I think they said next week out because they were going to go and put... Um, electric and you know, something like that they were getting everything ready they've been booked supposedly but i have that mm -hmm. already Wonderful. in motion yes i already have in writing everything how much mm -hmm. is going to be in everything and do you have your sign designed magoon signs and chico <laughs> but if i'm going to okay. do that again they um, i need to wait until you know they are painted and then put it up yes okay it's a little bit backed up on everything supposedly so i understand it's a yeah. lot of work yeah That it? That's it. I don't see anything down here. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Any discussion? Close the hearing. It's up to the planning commissioners. Do you have a discussion or ready for a motion or what do you want to do? Mr. Chairman, um, 
the consultant that's uh, getting the alcohol permit on behalf of this client may want to uh, speak. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, Krista, did you want to speak? Hi, good evening. Um, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I'm here just to answer any questions. I think Marcelina did a pretty good job as far as presenting, you know, the um, the store and, and his ideas. Um, but I'm here just to answer any other, you know, questions you may have. I know you guys were going to start, you know, your discussion. Um, I did originally raise my hand, but I think it was, like I said, um, a little late and then Marcelina jumped in. So I'm, I'm okay unless you guys have any other questions um, that I can assist with. Yeah, I, I, I got one. Oh. Okay. Um, do you have you addressed any of the uh, safety concerns with the landlord that were brought up during the DRC? I I did speak with with Marcelino about it. I know that what he what he has implemented, and it was something that I was going to um, speak upon. Uh, but since you asked. Um, as far as security, it is a top priority to Mr. Heredia and his family. Um, just to kind of touch on some of the measures that he's taken, um, he has equipped his location with a brand new surveillance camera system. Um, he's dedicated to keeping um, his video recordings on, on site for at least 30 days. Um, his, all of his cash registers will be equipped with age verification devices for those to not only request the ID, but check for its validity. As far as the, I know there, there was a question with the loitering, excuse me, outside. He does have a system in place where his employees uh, monitor the exterior premise, you know, to make sure that there isn't anyone, you know, directly in front of his property. If there is, they get a manager involved, um, which is normally one of the owners or his family members. Um, to go ahead and, and ask the individual to leave immediately. Um, depending on their reaction, there is an on-site um, security guard in the shopping area that they get involved um, to help um, rectify that. Um, but again, I did talk with Marcelina and he's still there. You know, he can kind of attest to this that as some of the concerns that you raised, you know, were, you know, some that he is on board with, um, but obviously getting the property owner to kind of um, act on it, it, you know, is, is easier sometimes said than done. Mm -hmm. right, he so is making you... his, you know, attempts, you know, at, at doing, you know, and, and making and monitoring the area and kind of clear, clearing it out, you know, as best he could within his parameters. So have you discussed it with the property owner? I know that Marcelino has discussed it with the not, property owner. Not the applicant, the owner of the, of the shopping center. I know that the applicant has spoken to the property owner directly on some of those concerns. And they're willing to make changes to, because I mean, the loitering is just not going to affect him. It affects Mount Mike's big lots, mm -hmm. the 99 cent store, you know, the other boarded up front uh, storefronts over there. You get a lot of, you know, when I go through there, there's no less than, you know, six people camping walking around with coolers and chairs. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my concern. I think what he wants to do is great. His market's a nice market. Mm -hmm. I just think that the, you know, more discussion with the, the owner of the shopping center 
to be a little more proactive in keeping the place clean and keeping it, you know, free from loitering and a little more security would be advantageous. Thank you. Of course, I, I do think that there's some discussion as far as getting additional security guards to monitor the, the shopping, the, the parking lot areas for that. That's all I got. Thank you. Anyone? Hey, we're ready for a motion. Uh, I motion to approve item number one as presented. That work. And what about the extra piece that Connor wanted? Is it included in it as presented? That's also included in the recommendation. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay, we have a motion. No second. A motion and a second. Ready to vote. Anybody want to change their vote? Motion carries. Motion carries. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good luck. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'll be looking over to you to see if there's somebody electronic for you that, that want to go. I'm not too good here. <laughs> you got to remember that <laughs> you guys are in control. We got you. <laughs> All right. We go on to item two. It's a sighting glance parcel at uh, 1245 Ordam Boulevard. It's a rezoning to M2. Staff? Yes, thank you. Um, the project before you is a proposal to rezone a 39-acre parcel to intensive manufacturing M2 from its current zoning of corridor mixed-use, MXC. Uh, the applicant is requesting this change because they have an e-commerce warehousing prospect that would need an industrial zoning in order to uh, be approved in Oroville. MXC does not allow warehousing and M2 does allow warehousing. Uh, the site uh, has historically been a lumber yard, a lumber mill, uh, also a lot of heavy commercial and industrial is still there now. Uh, there's a number of buildings on the site, a number of businesses occupying the site. The uh, applicant also requested this change, and there, there on the screen is an aerial photo of the, of the property. Orodam Boulevard is at the top of the property line there, and the uh, Ford dealership is across the street. Um, so the site is screen, or oh, the applicant has uh, also requested this in 2017 by letter, but no action was taken at that time. The site is screened from Orodam Boulevard by a berm, uh, and thus uh, would not have much exposure to the highway, um, no matter what the use there. 
if significant truck traffic were to be generated from a future warehouse, uh, the staff is recommending that access from the rear, from the south, be developed to uh, Cal Oak and then south uh, onto Highway 70. That way where most of the uh, industrial traffic already is. We would also require a traffic analysis for any future use, significant use that came to the site. Uh, however, uh, Caltrans has designated this as a STAAA terminal route. So uh, legally, any truck can uh, go from Highway 70 to any terminal at this site uh, along Highway 162. So this would all have to be worked out uh, with, with a future user. There is also a former rail spur uh, because the rail line uh, is to the right, entire length along the right, very active rail line through town. Uh, and there was a spur uh, which has been removed. There is some track remaining elsewhere on the property, but that could also be replaced for an industrial use. Uh, Ken Nowak is the uh, broker representing the applicant, and I don't know if applicant is also here uh, on, on the phone, but uh, he might want to say something as well. Staff is recommending that the Planning Commission uh, recommend approval to the City Council because it does require a rezone and a general plan amendment. Is that it? Any questions of staff at this time? I have one. Um, what is the setback along uh, Ordan Boulevard? Uh, setbacks for manufacturing and for MXC both is zero. So they can go right up right up to the, to edge, the of the edge of basically. their property, yes. Yeah. Um, and what other kind of uses are allowed? In manufacturing? Uh, in them too. Uh, heavy, any heavy uses? Any industrial use uh, sim very similar to all of the uses that are south of the project site right. including log decks and and uh, sawmills lumber lumber mill etc um, anything that's uh, heavy industrial so uh, the applicant could actually build a building right up to the property line on on Ordan Boulevard right to the edge say to the edge of the berm Wait, so? Uh, yes. Uh, any proposed new construction would, of course, go through development review. And uh, as I mentioned, we would require the traffic analysis for any large project. Uh, we also, the Development Review Committee and, and staff can also review design and a visual, have a visual analysis done to see uh, if there's going to be problems from the highway. Thanks. Okay, we open the public hearing for this item. Uh, I guess the applicant is going to make the presentation. Yep. Is it Mr. Muslim? Okay, am I am I am I unmuted now? 
Uh, if you can hear me, can somebody acknowledge? This is Ken Nowak. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you, commissioners. Um, yes, I am Ken Nowak, the broker representing uh, the owner of the property. Um, and we do indeed have uh, significant interest from uh, what I will refer to as e-commerce type uh, users for the property as we have all experienced through the pandemic there has been a significant increase in the e-commerce industry in the greater Sacramento region. I am uh, based out of Sacramento uh, and we are seeing any of the municipalities within the one hour plus or minus periphery of Sacramento and along uh, generally speaking major uh, intercontinental freeways uh, become quite active on the land side for the development of uh, distribution facilities, fulfillment centers, and so on and so forth. Uh, we do currently have uh, uh, activity and offers from uh, what I would refer to as clean uh, uh, M2 uses, which would be fulfillment center distribution facilities uh, for the property uh, that would provide um, significant employment opportunities for the demographic of uh, predominantly the Oroville and Chico region, uh, perhaps in the neighborhood of a couple hundred employees at least to begin with. Uh, the property has been available for sale for, I think I've been involved with it for about a decade, and uh, the CEMX uh, zoning designation has not necessarily attracted uh, anybody uh, predominantly because of the location of the property uh, and so forth. And with the significant influx from the pandemic, the e-commerce um, developers, if you will, and users are, are uh, very interested in, in locating opportunities within this region because of their proximity along the west coast to the major freeways of I-5 and Interstate 80 and so forth. And so uh, because the, the zoning precludes us from entertaining those users, we are now proposing and requesting respectfully a rezone to accommodate those types of users so that we can take a property that is essentially a non-performing asset and somewhat of light to the community and turn it into a employment uh, generating opportunity uh, for the benefit of the community and, and those that live there as well as the e-commerce company that, that we should still take there. With that, um, I'm happy to answer your questions, clarify any matters further with respect to um, our request. Hear you better. Uh, I'm just asking the commissioners if they had any questions, and apparently, no one has a question directed at you. Okay, at this time. thank you. So, uh, close the hearing and uh, discussion amongst commissioners and questions of staff.
Uh, I guess I had a question for staff. Is there a way to zone this so that uh, e-commerce type place could only warehouse could go there and not a log deck? Exactly. Um, I'm not sure. I, I suppose since it is a general plan amendment, it could be conditioned mm -hmm. uh, for certain uses at that site. Uh, typically, that's not done. It's just it's just zoned that way. I, I fear that the the cleanup of the property may change the the idea of what goes there. Is that it? Anybody else? I don't see anybody on the list on here that wants to talk. So there there are ways to 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 condition the the site either through a planned unit development or or a specific plan or something like that mm -hmm. to to limit the types of developments that can occur there. Mm -hmm. Well, I um, I think you gathered from the question I had a staff initially, but I have a problem. I think it's similar to the type of uses that could go in there. Mm -hmm. And without a setback of significance, um, I hate to think what could be seen along Ordan Boulevard. I mean, uh, Ordan, yeah, Ordan Boulevard East um, could be very detrimental to the uh, other uses in, in the future. And I have the same question as. Is there some way that we can limit the uses under the zone? Uh, is there another zone that we could, like you were saying, I think, uh, what was it, a PUD or something like that? Yes. That we could. Uh, can I speak to that? Sure. Thank you. Um, it's a very good question, and uh, I'm not completely familiar with the ordinances of the city of Oroville. I do a lot of work down in the Sacramento region, and it would seem to me that uh, with respect to the protocols that the city of Oroville has in place as a function of reviewing and approving a specific application to go on the property, there, there could be controls in place or conditions that could be imposed upon a specific application even from the perspective of denying it, uh, to mitigate any uh, any uh, threat to any visual uh, impairment along Oregon Boulevard, or for example, putting in place conditions like heavy landscaping along the frontage and with some sort of a setback, if that were the case. I guess my point being that um, it, it seems to me that you do already have controls in place under your jurisdiction uh, to evaluate any specific application that would come in that suffice for avoiding uh, the concern, the legitimate concern that you certainly have. I think uh, in saying that, most of the interest that we have, market interest that we have in the property um, is, is, is warehousing of the type that I described, fulfillment centers and the like. Um, I don't sense that uh, will have a long deck type of, of applicant, but again, it seems that the controls will be in place to at least mitigate that or, or, or further uh, uh, discipline what they can or cannot do on the site 
uh, without having to, you know, go into a specific plant type of mechanism or a CUP and so forth. And though the setback is a zero lot line setback along all of, or excuse me, Oro Dam Boulevard, we have a standing agreement with Caltrans for frontage maintenance. That would also be required here in this case. Um, so that would be sure. landscape and frontage. So that would be a part of this. So it wouldn't just be a building and no landscaping, right. no frontage. That frontage would be required. But you could still have a building right, right up to the property line. You could have a building up to the property line, but I think in this case that we would work with the applicant to see landscaping and frontage there. And I once, believe once we zone it to M2, a, a use that is a permitted in the M2 zone, what restrictions can we put it? It doesn't come to us. It doesn't uh, legally. I don't see where you can make restrictions on that use that isn't already codified mm -hmm. somewhere. And so what you're basically doing is carte blanche opening the door to all sorts of uses that once you got the zoning, those uses can go in as, as a permitted use. Isn't that right? Yes. Um, and I believe I'm going to defer to Matt. Matt's been itching to say something. I couldn't hear you. Oh, I'm going to defer to our engineer. He's been itching to say something in regards to this. Okay. Uh, thank you, Don. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, first, I have a question that Wes can probably answer. I was confused about the overlay, or could an overlay be done on either the existing zoning or the current zoning to accommodate this? The other is a comment. I'm familiar with a couple similar projects in other communities, and I guarantee you these, these corporations have absolutely no qualms about providing architecturally more pleasing walls instead of one long warehouse wall they have no problem breaking them up to look like row housing or something like that so i think we could work with them to alleviate any visual impacts we'd be worried about along a building that was right up to the property line thank you uh seeing our included sheet here about the continuances uh maybe up to uh the commission but maybe we this would be a good item to continue and uh have staff work on a conditions um, that we could all agree on. Um. I could chime in real quick for, for Wes and the commission. Uh, city code does allow a conditional overlay to be imposed on a zoning designation. This adds more restrictions than what is allowed in the traditional zoning. So as you had mentioned, uh, the M2 zoning with the conditional overlay that is uh, enacted by the city council that adds a more strict um, what can be allowed, what things go along with that. It's a sort of, of a planned unit development, but more of just that condition specifying certain things that's within our code that is an option as well. O'Connor? Yes. Could that a condition be that uh, a wide range of youths would need a use permit in that overlay so that the council would and the commission would still be able to have a final say in that? That is a possibility, yes. A use permit can be required for all or most uses ordinarily allowed as of right within that zoning designation. And it's up to city council to further specify any other conditions they want. I think we need to 
do need to continue. I'd like to see something like that in writing before us so that we make a logical recommendation to the city council. Does that make sense? Commissioners? Well, my question was, so the height, the maximum height is 65 feet? That's correct. So they could, under this current zoning, have, have a 65-foot high warehouse right at the edge of the property line? Yes. Basically zero lot line right up to the road? Unless conditioned as as uh, Connor or or in, in a number of ways that that can can be done, yeah. So... But additionally, in the existing zoning, it could be a 60-foot high building with a zero lot line. Currently? Currently. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is you can have a building up to the property line. Mm -hmm. with Once this is approved, there's, and they meet all the technical uh, requirements, they can put a building right up to the property line, 60 feet tall, of any design, and so I think that I know you've suggested that somebody suggested that we have uh, going along with this project a uh, overlay. What do you want to call it? Conditioned overlay. Conditioned overlay, and we need to have that come back to us. It's my opinion. We need to have that come back to us so we can see that and make it part of the recommendation to the city council. Okay, uh, the uh, applicant Steve Seidenglantz has joined us as well. I don't know if he wants to say anything. It, it's up to you, uh, Mr. No, Chair. I want to hear from everybody. Steve, do you have anything to say? Is he on? Not at this time, thank you. Steve? Yes, Not, I have nothing to say at this time. So if, if the applicant is amenable and there's a, a motion from the, the chair, uh, staff can take this back uh, under advisement and uh, invoke this uh, conditional overlay code and come back with a recommendation for a setback along the highway and uh, potentially a, some recommendations about uh, uses that would be conditioned or that would be prohibited. Uh, and bring that back to the commission. What would be the uh, time frame for the process here with bringing this back to the commission? The August 26th meeting is the next planning commission meeting. Okay. Could we be on that agenda? Yes. Thank you. And that would give you time to work with staff to come up with something agreeable to as an overlay, conditional overlay. And would that include um, a use permit requirement? That could include the use permit requirement. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, that's my recommendation that we uh, continue this item uh, under those conditions and see the meeting, the item back to us on August what? 26th. August 26th. So I'm ready for a motion and a second. Did that uh, need to be motion staff or would just be happier with a motion, yeah. yeah. Uh, I make a motion uh, for 
what Carl asked. <laughs> <laughs> to continue the item uh, and bring it back with some, some recommended conditions on August 26th? Yes. I second that. Do have a second? Yeah. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Will the applicant be able to see the conditions before our meeting, or will they just be seeing the conditions at our next meeting? Oh, we hide everything. No, I'm, <laughs> I, the applicant will be well aware of That's other conditions. That's what I wanted to make yeah. sure. Does anyone want to change their vote? Seeing none. Motion carries with five yeses and two absent. Hey. Thank you for joining us, you guys. Thank you very much. Okay. Go to item three. <coughs> yes, commissioners, I'll start this, and then our city engineer, Matt, uh, may weigh in uh, to correct anything that I misstate. Um, this is a uh, tentative parcel map waiver for Olive Ranch 3. And as you know, uh, Olive Ranch 1 and 2 uh, were approved uh, by the Development Review Committee by right. And uh, phase 1 is under construction. Phase 2 is likely to start construction in September. And this map enables phase 3, which was approved by the D DRC at its last meeting. So this parcel map uh, waiver is part of the set of actions that have been completed in order to facilitate development of the three phases. And up on the screen, the lot lines are not accurate. I just drew uh, trapezoidal lot lines. The actual lot lines are as in your packets. Um, Phase three has been submitted to the uh, state for approval for 9% tax credits for senior affordable housing. The first two phases are uh, family affordable housing. Uh, so you can see on page 47 of your packet, uh, the map waiver uh, map parcel X would essentially be phase three. That's one of the ones there. The Oroville Municipal Code allows a map waiver under certain circumstances. Yes, that one. Uh, the next one, number two. That one there. Yeah, rotate. So parcel X is at the bottom on the right uh, at the end of that. Uh, new cul-de-sac which will be built. Uh, Phil Strawn is here for Modern Builders. Uh, if you have any questions, and uh, Matt is here also, uh, maybe to add uh, anything that, that he wants to. Any questions of staff at this time? Open the hearing for item two. Uh, applicant is here. Wants to make a presentation? Good. Uh, there mm -hmm. you go. Now you're on. 
All right, uh, Phil Strawn with Modern Building. Um, we are the general contractor, and then I'm also part of the development team. Um, uh, as Wes had said, phases one is under construction. You can see the progress we've made to date. Phase two, we are on track uh, for a September 1 start is our goal. Um, phase three, we knock on wood. Uh, the initial results from the uh, state tax credit rounds have been released, and it looks like phase three is going to be awarded funding. So we would be looking forward to start that um, as soon as we can, I'm guessing. Uh, we'd tentatively be targeting a spring uh, 22 start on phase three. Um, and then we even have some plans for uh, row housing to start along the hillside, uh, either simultaneously with phase three or after phase three uh, for market rate row housing. So um, we're looking to extend that uh, Tuscan Villa or Tuscany Villa drive down and around um, as a way of accessing all that area back in there and um, trying to improve that ridge and add some housing. Any questions of the applicant? Uh, will the real housing, will that be a subdivision or was that, will that be a well, what kind of housing will that be? Uh, it'd be we're looking right now. We're considering um, uh, one-inch air gap, um, two-story townhome styles. It would be a entry-level house for um, uh, entry-level buyers. Um, they would be, uh, like I said, one-inch air gap. We haven't fully assessed the amount of houses we could fit along that ridge, but the goal would be that they'd have a second-story deck that uh, comes out over the, uh, you know, the the hillside there. You can see the fish hatchery, the dam. The, um, Table Mountain, downtown Oroville, the river. Um, we think they'd be pretty desirable for entry-level homes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other questions? Yeah. Eric? So the, the townhomes are, are rentals or they're? Oh, uh, no, for sale. Market for rate sale. for sale. And, and we'd be willing to work with the uh, city of Oroville for any kind of um, economic processes they have that could help new home buyers as well. Um, and that, and I guess I don't want you to make your decision off of um, the townhomes because we it is something we're still further out on trying to get our hands around and how we want to do it. Um, but right now the goal is, is to try and get uh, phase three, the senior housing, uh, kicked off in the right direction and get the property set for that. And then um, we'd look to do a subdivision map that lays out the townhomes. And at that point, I imagine we'd be back in front of you guys to uh, present that as it's more more developed. Okay, so this is not part of the tax credit property no, that no. you're doing. This no, is the market completely rate, separate. Yeah, the market rate housing would be uh, completely privately financed Private by developed. us. Yes. That would okay. be a, a separate subdivision. Yes. Completely. Well, I don't, I'm not sure on the on the language there if it's a separate subdivision, but it would not be part of uh, either of these projects or developments. Well, if you're going to sell homes. Yes, it'd be its own. It'd be its own subdivision, I guess. Yes. It's going to be doing a subdivision. Yes. And uh, give you a heads up warning. One of my concerns would be what's visible uh, from across the river, looking at the bluff, which is nothing but trees at the time. And I don't have a problem with homes necessarily, but uh, aesthetically, it's going to be important. Sure thing, and I'd expect those uh, that process to go through the full oh, yeah. DRC and and whatever hearings that West tells me I have to go to to get approval. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay, I'll close the public hearing on this item. Thank you.
Uh, turn it over to the commissioners. Any discussion, questions, further questions of staff, whatever. Seeing none, I'm ready for a motion. We, we do have one speaker. What? We have a speaker. We have a speaker. I looked over yeah. there. I know. He put his hand up after. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Who, who is it? Matt, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Sorry if I didn't got the protocol wrong. I just want to make sure uh, the commission understood the process here because it hasn't been done in Oroville for quite a while. The Subdivision Map Act provides generally subdivision maps and parcel maps with three basic functions to create lots, ensure that the public interest such as infrastructure and CEQA are taken care of and to provide efficient record keeping of lot creation as we move forward. It can be a time consuming process. So there is a process. Most communities call it a minor land division. We don't have that here. We call it a waiver of parcel map and creates the same thing. All of those boxes will be checked, but the lots will be created by separate deed and then a record of survey will be recorded later. It's a, it can be a quicker process, but it actually uh, ends up being a lot more work for the proponents engineer. So uh, I just want to make sure everybody understood the process because we haven't done it in a while. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions on the applicant? Anybody else over here? We're good. <laughs> I'm learning. Um, okay, we're back to a motion in a second. Yeah. I, I would make a motion, but I got to figure out where the paper is to say it. If you're not gonna add anything, you could just move the staff recommendation. I move to accept staff recommendation on this item. Keep it simple. <laughs> Kiss it. <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second. Uh, can we flip up the voting? I don't think there was a second. Huh? We need a second. Oh, I thought. I second that. I thought somebody <laughs> seconded. It now has a motion and a second. Anyone want to change the vote? No one wants to change their vote. Motion carries with five yeses and two absent. Motion carries. Thank you. Look forward to progress. Yeah, we have one more. Okay, we'll move on to item three. Or item four. Four. Uh -huh. Oh, we're going faster than that. Uh, item four is a zoning code change to allow appellants a specific response time. Somebody's going to explain that to us, staff? Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll try. Um, as you know, there were two projects that this commission 
denied that were both appealed to City Council. Um, and when City Council heard the appeals, there was some uh, question and confusion about how much time the appellant uh, was to be allotted to present their case. And uh, they were initially allowed two minutes to present their case, which was uh, considered inadequate. Uh, and then the uh, city attorney chimed in and this, the appellants eventually got 10 minutes apiece, but the city council is now asked to codify that appellants will be given time to present their case. And the uh, proposed change to the Oroville City Code 17.56.100 uh, is that either at the Planning Commission, because appeals can be made to the Planning Commission for denials by a zoning administrator, um, shall be, appellants shall be allowed 20 minutes to present their case, up to 20 minutes to present their case, and then uh, another 10 minutes to rebut uh, any remarks that might be made during other testimony. So that's the proposal. This would be a zoning, ordinance change. Uh, it is initiated by council, but our code requires the planning commission to make a recommendation to council for, uh, since it affects uh, Title 17, the zoning code. And it, <clears throat> it has nothing in it about the planning commission's time to be able to speak. Yes, it does. Uh, under um, a appeals to the Planning Commission mm -hmm. on page 68 of your packet. Uh, oh, we get I this see. Planning Commission Good. would, if this were codified, okay. uh, that must allow any appellant the same uh, time to the same amount of time. Thank you. I, I see that. Don't know if ever an appellant has come to the Planning Commission, but uh, it does happen on occasion. You're just saying the appellant, okay, wait, I'm talking about at the city council meeting when they are overturning our decision because it's being appealed. Does the planning commission have a voice more than two minutes? The code is silent on the planning commission. That, mm -hmm. that is typically up to the chair, uh, the, the mayor, uh, to determine how much time the planning commission should be given to present their case. Is there a way that that can be known before you get to the meeting, before the planning? It just seems a bit unfair to not know how long you're allowed to speak. It's unclear. It would be better to have that clearly spelled out. Yes, if I recall, you were anticipating two minutes, but you were given longer. Is that? Well, at the one, I anticipated longer, and I had to cut it to two. And at the second one, I could speak longer, and I didn't have it prepared so it would have been nice to be prepared and I think people volunteer on this commission it would be nice for them to be able to speak to the City Council also when they're going to overturn their decisions or consider overturning our recommendations okay um, there's several ways that we can approach this one is is to talk to the the mayor um, and to the council or they do have the the complete discretion on how much time would be allowed. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other is for this planning commission to actually recommend that that be codified as well. Mm -hmm. We are hoping that appeals do not become a regular. What was that? 
I said we are hoping that appeals do not become a regular thing, though. <laughs> I have heard they are in other jurisdictions. I have heard it's almost just what happens. The planning commission votes no, and they appeal it, and it gets approved. Now, I could just, that could not be accurate. More, so more if this is what appeals, we're up right? for, I mean, it's rare. Hopefully, we don't say no. It's rare. We, yeah. yeah, I think we've had more appeals in the last year than we've had in 10 years, so... Yeah, I still think something should be codified personally for when it does come up. That's my opinion. Counting my time working for the city of Sacramento, about 25 years, and I wouldn't say it's rare to get overturned, but uh, it happens uh, often enough that I think what you're talking about is important. And that's... Uh, Planning Commission to have a, a commissioners or chair or whoever does it uh, an opportunity to speak at least as much time as given the applicant. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. Do we include that? I'm not sure what action we're supposed to take on this either. That was my other thing. Are we making a recommendation to the city council? Yes, the code requires. Um, a recommendation of one, you know, uh, of some type be forwarded to the city council for consideration. So, okay, so we're making a recommendation that the city council adopt this uh, change to the code. And we can include in that recommendation what we think should be included in the code like so we could time? add the condition to uh b appeals to city council mm -hmm. under item three uh, or even uh make an item four that yeah. the planning commission should be allowed 10 minutes to provide explanation of the appeal to city council but staff would write that up and that would be that would be the recommendation to, to city, city council, council from the planning commission yes for this ordinance okay that's correct so don mm -hmm. so the 20 minutes is that the applicant by himself or is that if he has other people if they have other people if they have other people well. so they all have to fit in that 20 minute yes. window the way our city attorney had explained it was that the applicant and anybody representing the applicant has the, tw the, the 20, 20 minutes. minutes so so for the example at the previous um appeal the applicant and spoke briefly his daughter spoke briefly his attorney spoke briefly and they filled that 10 minute time frame so so it's 10 minutes at the no 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 that was the previous allowance that we had given that appellant yeah. but for this specific ordinance amendment it would be 20 minutes for the initial appeal um, to present their case and then 10 minutes to rebut. For rebut. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to put a provision in there about the. Add what? 10 minutes for the planning commission to explain their case. And then I, th I think it should be equal and that you should be allowed to rebut. I mean, if you want to make it 10 minutes and a five minute rebuttal, but conversation happens and then you're left there not able to say anything mm -hmm. to what is mentioned about a subject. It just seems. Uh, that would be my recommendation. It, we've been appointed by the council. I would think they might want to know what we were thinking. Yeah. 
that's going to be in the motion and what the staff mm -hmm. prepares. Yeah, we can make it consistent. Mm -hmm. I, I believe the you know if the mayor has a question or you know likes the way the planning commission is going, they would let you speak as much as they'd like. But uh, <laughs> that's I what mean, was that's what I, I mean. That would be I nice. See you, I agree. Everybody gets twenty minutes and twenty minutes, and then the city council meetings last in four hours. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is only for an appeal. Okay, so ten minutes. I'm saying it's it's awkward to not be able to even speak back um to, i'm if they have a rebuttal and you don't have a rebuttal. what's the current time what's the current time that they have to re to uh appeal how much time presently according to our city attorney the appellant has 10 minutes and that's not long enough yeah. in that specific case it ended up being long enough yeah but it, I think it 10 minutes. depends 10 minutes seems a long time to me and they're all case specific right so they could take 20 and then the council says one thing or yeah see the council says and then they can come back and rebut for another 10 minutes mm -hmm. yes according to what we have presented here what's their rebuttal time now five there is no rebuttal time now unless the council specifically asks questions of the applicant and requests more clarification there is no set rebuttal time Well, having been faced with that situation on the other side of the table several times, I'm glad to see it's being taken care of and it's being codified. Mm -hmm. The thing I like about it being codified is it takes it out of the political arena. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And that's, to me, mm -hmm. is probably the most important thing. The time, I, mm -hmm. 20 minutes can be 15 minutes or whatever, but the most important thing to me is it's codified, which mm -hmm. takes it out of the political arena and takes the pressure off of us. And it's clearly spelled that, out. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. That I agree. That is very important. And I think the time could be short, shorter than this. But oh, we can recommend. Can we recommend shorter time? Absolutely. Yeah. You can recommend anything you'd like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I it can be ten minutes and ten minutes. Mm -hmm. To me, fifteen mm -hmm. minutes and ten minutes would be what I would. Recommend. Yeah, 20 is long. It's up. Whoever makes the motion is welcome to make the motion. If um, a motion includes giving the planning commission up to 10 minutes to present um, the explanation of, of why it denied the project, uh, I would suggest that a number four be added under uh, A1 as well to give the zoning administrator up to 10 minutes to explain the project denial to the planning commissioners as well to for parallel construction if you will absolutely whoa, 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 whoa. you mean the staff doesn't have an opportunity to make a presentation today now i mean the staff can't present the project and say this is what why we did what we did or anything like that that's totally up to the discretion of of the chair. See, yes. so that makes it political. That's why it should be codified. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you codify, too, or don't codify. Uh, right. So in, in this recommendation, mm -hmm. should we include the staff also has the same opportunity? I think you. it should be zoning administrator specific. Mm-hmm. 
okay, if, if it would be uh, if it would be an applicant's appeal, if it was a staff denial, then it would be an applicant's appeal to the planning commission. Mm -hmm. And they would get the 20 minutes to appeal to planning commission because that's something that we haven't seen. So they're just appealing staff's decision to not approve a variance or a, right or something or not a variance would go to planning commission. But it, oh, if oh, it I'm was sorry. something as I don't know, a parking reduction or go. something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And they didn't like staff's decision. They could appeal that to the planning commission. And then if it's a planning commission decision, then it gets appealed to city council. But for the planning commission appeal, I think staff presenting, it would be the zoning administrator that would be able to um, state the case. We understood. You did good. Okay. <laughs> Any other questions of staff or discussion? I don't know if I opened this thing as a public hearing or not. Does not need to be a public no. hearing. Not a public I, hearing. Do you have enough information to rewrite it for okay that we for all of this and then you could reduce the time. I don't know. We just need your recommendation on time. On time, yeah. I mean, ten minutes is is a good time. I go for fifteen. Okay. I've been in I've been in the uh, okay too many <laughs> too many times and I, I'm very very I'm not I don't feel twenty is, is needed but fifteen to me is an absolute need. Projects can be very complicated. Yes. Okay. And mm -hmm. we're not, we've got projects coming down the road here that, that can be very complicated and trying to explain mm -hmm. the issues of why we did what we did. Mm -hmm. uh, and the applicant is faced with the same in defending a complicated thing, need the time. I don't think 20 minutes is needed personally. I'll go with whatever the commission wants to go for, but I think 15 is more than enough. But 20 is okay. Okay. Any other discussion? I don't know if I opened, but I will close. Well, we didn't have, it doesn't have to be a hearing. That's why I didn't do it. Anyway, I'll close the discussion. And ready for a motion. Staff understand uh, what we've want we do okay. <laughs> it's a good the, thing staff understands the, the motion could be uh we we make a motion to have staff do what we want <laughs> <laughs> oh boy me and chair are starting to get to be fun <laughs> whoops no you're fine So we do actually need a motion and a yes. second and a vote. We need a motion and a second and a vote. And I'm ready for a motion. Since you know what you want, you want to try and take a crack at the motion? Don or me? You. Oh, I oh. can't. Not Don. <laughs> okay, sorry. I mo well, I motion that we recommend to this ordinance that doesn't have a number. Oh, if I have to identify it. That the planning commission, well, no, this has to be really specific, huh? If I make a motion like that. 
I think if you start with figuring out what times you want, then you can for each person, and then you can just say that's the let's, motion. Let's do it's, the time thing first. Okay. And see if that where we agree that on that. So make a motion on the time, whatever you feel you you want to do. I make a motion that the time for the appeals in this recommended ordinance be up to 15 minutes to present their case and another 10 minutes, so that's the same, to deliver a rebuttal, but reduced to 15 minutes. Do we have a second on that? Do you, did you want to include the Planning Commission? Mm -hmm. I do that at this time. With the addition of? With the addition of the Planning Commission being given up to 15 minutes to present their case. Okay. And the zoning administrator <laughs> being giving being allowed up to 15 minutes to present their case. And what about any rebuttals for those or not? No. Just no rebuttals. Just zoning administrator and planning commission have 15 minutes and that's it. I think that's enough. Okay. Personally. Okay. Yeah. So we are striking the rebuttal language in your motion. For the planning commission the planning and the zoning commission. administrator. We're keeping it for the appellant. So okay. what I have, just so that everyone's clear, I said I, I, the motion is to allow the appellant to have 15 minutes to present the case, 10 minutes to rebuttal, with the addition of having allowing the planning commission uh, to have up to 15 minutes to present their case, and if it's a zoning administrator, also being allowed fifteen min up to 15 minutes to present their case. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we got a motion. I haven't heard a second. Don't tell me it's going to die without a second. <laughs> I'll second. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second. So we vote. Okay, that's part of our recommendation to the city council. Do you want to continue the rest of it? That, that was. Huh? That was the whole thing. Yeah. Motion carries with five yeses and two no, absent. No. We need a motion. Motion carries with five yeses and two absent. But that was only having to do with time, not the not the entire ordinance. We need a motion to, <clears throat> about the ordinance. The motion is a recommendation to them. Motion as I understood it was this is a recommendation to the city council with the time limits and the Addition uh, additions that you have recommended. Mm -hmm. so, so you don't think we need to mention the, the code at all? Um, I, well, we, we will, that's where we'll put it, in the code. Yeah. yeah. The okay. draft code. Mm -hmm. Staff rules, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I think... That was it. Now we have uh, some reports and presentations and things. Staff want to give us a heads up of what's coming on, on the next part and then whoever's going to do it, do it. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I think there is an item five having to do with um, his, the history yeah, what, of the olive the orchard, on the, the fog olive orchard. Yeah. Yeah, you have a handout there with Edmund Fogg on the front. And then a picture of the monuments, too. 
So if I could begin, I'll just quickly go through this brief history of the importance of this olive grove where this, these apartments are. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Time's up. You only got 15 minutes. <laughs> um, Edmund Fogg was certainly a man of Oroville. And this picture of him I could just not resist to share with you because this is the most adorable <laughs> man um, I've seen. Anyway, he came to Oroville um, when he was eight years old. He was born in 49. His family actually bought the house that is that would have been right behind the Butte County Law Library. There was a home there, 1336 Oak, and it is not there now, but that's where he lived with his family and later on lived there most of his life. He was actually later on responsible for getting the library here into the city of Oroville that was right next door to him. His father owned the boot and shoe business on the south side of Montgomery and Myers at Huntoon, between Myers and Huntoon, and he worked there when he was young. It's um, opposite where the St. Nicholas Hotel would have been, which is now the parking lot. There's nothing there now on Montgomery. But where his father's boot and shoe business is, that building probably is still there. When he was young, he was a printer's devil for the Oroville Democrat newspaper on Montgomery, and that's when they had little boys who would help move and clean all the type. What is a printer's devil? They would move and clean the type on the printing presses, and so their hands would get really dirty with ink, and that's why they were called printer's devils, because they were dirty. <laughs> and he did that, and he would deliver the paper once a week. Um, he had some other jobs that were right here. Everything you read about him is right here in this town. He was very local. His first job as an adult was at the Rideout Smith and Company Bank. He was a cashier there. That's on the corner of Montgomery and Myers. That is now where, I call it the Bank of Italy, but it's the Eagles Club, I think now, yeah. that's there. Um, so he started there at 19 as a cashier. The bank manager died four years later, and at age 23, he became the manager of the bank, and he ran it for the next 30 years. Hmm. The bank's main um, business was gold, as that was the main strong industry in Oroville at that time. You can see in the ad right there, the highest price paid for gold dust. He would make gold bricks. The first gold brick that he made was worth $10,000, and it was too heavy to lift, so after that, he had a limit of only $5,000 worth in the gold brick. They actually had a $100,000 in value gold brick that was kept there um, to secure a loan. It was kind of fun to think about that. They didn't say the weight in the paper. I read all these in the old papers. So it didn't say the weight, just the value. So whatever gold was an ounce around the turn of the century, 1900, um, that would be what it weighed. Hydraulic mining ended, the gold rush hit, um, it was basically stopped because people didn't want hydraulic mining to happen anymore. It was damaging the streams and the agricultural areas. So that was a death knell to Oroville. Fogg described it as Oroville getting a black eye. So being a manager of the bank, that was a huge hit to the economy and to everyone. There were people who had invested so much money, and now it was just over. And they were all going to lose money. 
So Fogg wanted to encourage everyone and encouraged his employer to encourage the investors to start inventing, to start investing in orange production, commercial orange production. Most homes in Oroville had orange trees in their yards up to 12 and they would <coughs> actually sell the oranges. They were starting to um, grow navel oranges and they would sell the oranges to San Francisco and places abroad. So he thought we can make this commercial. And he put together a group of investors, 20 investors, that would each have 100 shares in the Grove. And it was the beginning of the first orange industry in Oroville and the first citrus association in Northern California. Right at the beginning, he wanted to invest in olives. And he asked his group of investors if they would split the original 40 acre grove in half with half in olives and half in oranges. And no one wanted to do that, just one man who he ended up going into a separate partnership with on this property, which is where the olive grove apartments are. But this was their separate investment that would be all in olives, 40 acres, and it was McLaughlin, Fogg and rumored that Thomas Jefferson had, not Thomas Jefferson, Edison had invested in it also because he had some money in the area. That, and you can see this map here, which this map is in 1898, and I, you can see exactly the river, the downtown. He had at his olive grove, he begot, began to get into olive production. They had a little pickling facility and a pressing plant. He had 27 Chinese workers there. You can see the Table Mountain Bridge, which they called the Feather River Bridge. And they originally called it the Thermalito Olive Farm. So he was working at the bank and being pretty successful in his little on-the-side olive industry. And then entered Frida Eman. She was not a local native to Oroville. She came here in 92 as a widow. Her husband had died. She came here to be with her son. I don't think he lived in Oroville. I think he was in Marysville. They were basically bankrupt. I think they had might even officially declared bankruptcy. Her son gave her 20 acres of an abandoned olive grove in Marysville. And she got into olive production and making olive oil and that started the Eman Olive Company. And she, as most of you know, she is the, she figured out how to take olives that you get from a tree that taste absolutely horrible and pickle them and cure them so they actually taste good in a commercial fashion. Yes, before people have been doing it since the Greeks, but it took a long time for it to happen and it could not ever be quick and commercial and you couldn't make a profit on it. So she figured out the way with a lot of tenacity to really make a successful olive company and she did. She needed some more olives because she was selling more than she could produce. So her son knew about Mr. Fogg who had the 40 acres and he actually leased to her his he sold the olives to her and leased the pickling plant and the Chinese workers, and she ran her production out of there until she built her own Eman canning company here in Oroville. She tried to buy from Mr. Fogg, tried to buy the orchard, and he didn't want to sell to her. Years later, in 1915, she sent an agent to the bank to kind of secretly work out a deal to buy the orchard. 
and it worked, and he agreed to sell the orchard and then found out, and I don't know how this all happened, but found out that it was actually Frida Eamon who was buying the orchard. So the she, Oh, when you send someone to go negotiate yeah, for you? Right. Okay. Okay. The people you're trying to keep knowledge-wise <laughs> yes. uh, have no clue. Yeah. And so you have to have... Oh, okay. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. She knew what she was Yes, doing. she knew. And the price that she paid for the Fog Olive Grove, which I said was somewhere around 50000 was the highest price that had ever been paid for an olive grove in the history of California. And it was considered to be the finest olive grove in California also. And that's the entire property? She, that is what she bought from Fogg. She bought some other olive groves also. Yes, 50000 for this corner. Yeah. I bet you paid a little more than 50000 <laughs> <laughs> for that corner there. Um, th th so, Yes, it's a beautiful corner. And then the last paper I had really has to do with our developer here who is willing to put up a monument, because you remember the old signs, the two monuments, Fog Olive Grove and Eamon Olive Grove. I think it's interesting they didn't take down the Fog Olive Grove sign or that monument. It was both of those together. And we can let him speak on what his plans are. He has plans for the development to do a monument to... Fog and uh, Eamon. Uh, I want to explain Tell us what you hope to do. It will match what I want you to do. <laughs> Testing. All right. Um, there's actually, it looks like there's three monuments out there. And um, when we took over the property, uh, two of them had been knocked over, one broken in half, and the other one cracked in half. And if we try and move it, and we're positive it'll be broken in half. Um, just some photos of the, the two that are, that are destroyed. But uh, there is one still standing, um, and it's been graffitied a bunch. Uh, currently, it's been painted blue and gold but prior it had a bunch of different markings on it. Um, and we've uh, started conversations over the last couple of days with um, Larry Tracy, I believe it is, um, to have the monument, um, the existing one that's out there, um, relocated to a safe location that he has. Um, the Eamon House? Uh, he'd said uh, a location in, I'm gonna mess this up, but I believe it's Lincoln. I'm not, it, it is to a house of historical significance to the monument to locate it there and um, have it at that house. Frida Eamon's house. Yeah. And then um, what we would like to do is to get a monument of similar size and make to match this one that is set um, in front of our um, community center building. So as you approach, you have this monument. Um, I have yet to start talks with um, a granite company that would cut that and make that. Um, but that is the intent to put a, a like monument that explains the the fog and then uh 
uh, Oliver Olive Grove, and then when you go inside, uh, we would work with the historical society to put together um, a collection of newspaper collage and information on one of our community center um, walls to where the folks that are in there using the laundry facilities, using the game room, uh, meeting with the leasing office. If they're hanging around waiting, they can look at the uh, the wall and learn a little bit about history of the property. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's our, our plans to date. Um, I continue to plan to work with Tracy and uh, anyone else in the historical society that wants to partake. Um, we're rather open-minded to it. Cost is a consideration, but we do have some money set aside uh, from the initial meetings with the planning commission. I'm uh, not planning commission with... Uh, um, with um, 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 design development review, review development yeah. review, um, we initially set aside money to make sure that we got this monument uh, figured out. So we do have some money there, and all intentions of putting up a, um, I don't want to say a replica, but a, a, a similar monument out in front of our community center that will draw attention to folks that come to the property. That's wonderful. Oh, are, are, yeah, and I'm I'm really worried about uh, moving this. We've started talks with um, a company to to try and move this monument, and I'm worried about trying to move it and not break it. Mm -hmm. I almost want to make no promises. I'm going to do my best, but um, but we're going to try and figure it out and get it to a safe spot. The other, you know, if it, it gets to where we're, you know, everybody concedes that it's too scary to move, we can look at our current plans and where it's located and how it might be able to to stay put. Um, and we could sandblast it and clean it up and get it back to white. Um, not, I'm not, I'm, I'm open to all ideas and I'm not, uh, close minded to anything on it where we want to make sure we preserve the history of, I'm a history buff as well. So I think it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't deteriorate the stone. Yep. It's probably very close to where it is now. Because they don't move very far. No. Right? No. And I can see the tree, the palm I tree. Think, and I'm pretty sure it's the southernmost one, which was the southern post of the gate entrance. So. Yeah. We did discuss uh, project denials uh, quite a bit, but um, when the grocery store at Montgomery and Feather River went to the city council for review, um, they turned, turned, turned the, reversed the planning commission's denial, but when the Stott billboard went in front of the planning commission, the city council, um, a vote to approve the planning commission's denial failed. And they were then going to stop discussing that, uh, much like what, what uh, happened here uh, for that same project. The city attorney stopped the process and told the city council not to leave the applicant hanging, but that there had to be an active uh, vote uh, of some kind to, to make a definitive, uh, take a definitive position. Uh, so they uh, ended up voting to overturn the Planning Commission's recommendation. Here uh, at the Stott billboard, 
the vote to approve the project failed and then all discussion ended. So the applicant ended up getting sort of a, a tacit denial but not an official denial of the project uh, which they appealed. So uh, we looked at the requirements for planning commissions and how to deny a project. Um, there is a packet there on in front of you that discusses denying or continuing a project and, and you continued the project tonight uh, for the side and glance property. Um, findings are required for a denial. And the reason is if a project is denied and there ends up being legal action uh, taken, then the planning commission has to make findings explaining a reason for their denial. So in future, uh, it is not sufficient just to not, not, not approve a project, but to actively deny the project with a subsequent motion or, or something like that, and then findings to go along with that. Uh, because uh, the planning commission's decision should be supported in case there is legal action and if there is legal action and there's no findings and there's no reason given for a project denial or non-approval, then uh, the, the city would, would likely lose a case like that. So it's important to make findings if there's a project denial. So if we, if we denied, when we denied the liquor store, which it was called then, on the corner, we would have made a motion to deny the liquor store, and we would give our reason why, that like that there was a saturation, there was a saturation of alcohol permits in the area. Is that what you mean by finding, or does it have to be an actual code? Yes, there's some there's some uh, discussion in the in the handout that I've given you having to do with findings and what's a good finding and what's not. So, uh, something sometime as simple as saying it's not in the the public interest or it's not considered safe, something like that. A okay. little more than that, but. Okay. At least one fine. Isn't that what we did for that one? You did not. No, in the we, discussion that we talked about all those issues, but we didn't codify them in the, in the sense. Yeah, okay. there was no reason given for for huh? the denial. No reason given associated with the oh, denial. I'm saying yeah. in the discussion, the, we talked about why we were denying it, but in the motion, we didn't make. Right. We didn't codify what we were talking about, and that's what. So that's saying. what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's. But we didn't make a motion to deny. Be, no, we made a motion to deny, but we didn't say why. I think we made a motion to accept it, and then we all voted no. Yeah. So I think that's what we should not do. Right. Someone should make a motion to deny it. If someone makes a motion to deny, the motion should be to deny because. Right. That's the, that's mm -hmm. the operative word there, because. Okay, so we didn't do that last time. Mm -mm. We just denied it based on on its on what they wanted. Yes, they wanted the, the liquor license. We said no. We don't think it belongs there. Correct. And then the city council almost made the same mistake until corrected by the city attorney. So. Okay. Okay. We'll get it. <laughs> Any other questions? It have to be a legal fine, or can it just be we don't want another liquor store here? It should be based in uh, code of some kind, uh, protecting the public health and safety, 
uh, it shouldn't just be we don't want another liquor store. It would okay, be, so we don't we want would, another so liquor store because there's an overconcentration. Okay, so we yeah we may want to deny because of an overconcentration of liquor sales in this area, and that that's good. Yes, or whatever additional reasons like too close to where a lot of kids are going to be playing. We talked about that. It, it, it yes. sounded like that came up with the city council also. You can't deny that because you would be having to deny everything in the future. Yes, precedent setting was was a, a important point that the. Uh, city attorney made as well uh, so uh, it had to be project specific um, yeah so it, so I didn't quite get the point the city attorney was making it it was project specific it's I think that precedent it sounds like he was just saying consider that but it wasn't de facto that if because that would mean you could never deny anything if every time you deny it sets precedent and that would mean that you could we had a lot of uh, signs that were too high, and um, most of the commission did not like that. But since they approved one, we pretty much had to approve the rest, even though it didn't sit well with most of the commission. So if you told a liquor store on one corner they couldn't, or a store on one corner they couldn't sell liquor, if a restaurant or something came in across the street that you liked more, you couldn't approve them either in the same location because the reasons would be it's in the same area that, okay. that's that's what i i believe but it would be different for a restaurant because those are on premise as opposed to off premise so that could be a reason i guess if you could separate it but um i don't know how well you could separate it so wes the that liquor store or that convenience store down here feather river if we denied that uh their liquor license but then safely wanted to come in across the street at the gate at the proposed yes. gateway center. If that was the case, then we would really have no we'd have to find a different reason to not allow safe to do it. Correct. Right. Yeah. So if we approve this guy, we'd have to approve Safeway or vice versa. Mm hmm That's why it's good to have stated reason in the motion. Stated finding. Yeah. It makes it project okay. uh, uh, individual project. Okay. Are we supposed to be doing anything about this emotion or anything in the future? No, it's it's information for the future. Right. Okay. Item seven: directors' reports, plural. Yes, we have several items to discuss, and then I guess Don has one or two. No. Uh, <laughs> Wes, I just wanted to mention, uh, make sure. I told you, but make sure the staff knows about the spelling error. Oh, yes. It's in the resolution. You don't want a spelling error in the resolution. On uh, page 58 of your packets, the, the title of the resolution says there shall be approvable apartments. So we're, we're going to correct that. I read that. I had to read it three times to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. So we'll correct that resolution before it, it uh, moves forward. The, uh, one of the items that uh, staff has would like to bring up here is something that's been concerning the Planning Commission uh, for several projects now. 
and there has been quite a, a lot of discussion about uh, nuisances, the nuisance code, uh, code compliance, what authority the Planning Commission might have to deny a project uh, because it's a nuisance. Um, it was a factor in the denial of the Stott billboard because of the maintenance question of the landscaping. Um, so this is, and, and it, this was discussed as well uh, tonight during the, uh, whether there'd be uh, lots of, of vagrancy or, or concentration of, of folks in front of the new carniceria or not. So um, other discussions have included um, inadequate building maintenance, uh, sign maintenance, et cetera, lots of health and safety topics. So uh, I have given you a copy of our city's nuisance code and have taken the liberty of talked to Ron Belser, who is the head of our code compliance uh, function. And he is willing to come to our next planning commission meeting and uh, conduct a workshop and have sort of a give and take to talk about the authorities that the city has to deal with nuisances and the process for that and what uh, the planning commission can or cannot do to assist in uh, nuisance abatement throughout the city. And, and this seems to be a, a hot topic amongst the commissioners. So. Uh, if that's okay with the commission, then we'll schedule uh, a, maybe a half an hour for a workshop on code compliance at the next meeting. When in the agenda? Um, I guess I would suggest before, just to give the code compliance off, or at the beginning of the meeting, after the meeting is, is um, gaveled in, but uh, to give the code compliance uh, folks a chance to leave, you know, after this. Depends on what other agenda items we have. Is this because we're getting overly aggressive on our code enforcement, or is this? This is informational. <laughs> <laughs> because of my questions about dumpsters well, and not just yours, closures but, and but other abandoned other cars and other concerns, yes, that are raised and and this this commission has a definite interest uh, in improving Oroville and the extent to which uh, you folks can individually and together but, I mean, where does do it that. Where does it start? I mean. Can it start with us to, to help fix this? Or is that what this is going to be all about with Ron? Is, you know, do we go online and fill out a complaint form and say, hey. That's certainly going to be part of it is, is to initiate a code compliance action. There has to be a complaint form. Because there's new code enforcement. Off, there's more now, right? So yes, there's four code enforcement staff right now. They've doubled in size. Awesome. <laughs> right. Because I just, so... Maybe off topic, but where do, where, where do we go from here with existing issues, such as the 7-Eleven down by my office, their trash enclosure is cyclone, dented, leaning over, broken wood stakes in the fence, and they have another dumpster that's alongside of it. 
that's not even in an enclosure, and there's trash blows down the street every day of the week, and it's never addressed. And, I mean, I'm sure we call it to you. They lift it, they shake it, they throw it down, and they split, and whatever falls mm -hmm. on the ground falls on the ground. But, I mean, do we have any authority at all to go to these existing customers or the existing property owners and say, hey, you got to fix this? The, the planning commission is not likely to have any authority like that yeah, okay. uh, unless an item comes before them. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is a perfect candidate for a complaint mm -hmm. form, and they have to act on the complaint complaints. But uh, there, there are a number of things, activities going on having to do with homeless, having to do with uh, vagrancy, having to do with shopping cart, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, it, and um, it seems that even if the Planning Commission doesn't have some sort of a direct authority to intervene in something, uh, we might learn how the Planning Commission can, can engage you know, more effectively. But filling out and submitting a code enforcement complaint online or coming to City Hall and filling one out is the best way to get that complaint addressed. So if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Fill out the complaint form. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would it be possible uh, whatever he produces to email to us? Ahead of time? Ahead of time. Certainly. So, so that we're not sitting here trying to read and listen at the same time. Is that possible? I don't know how the other commissioners feel about it. There may I, not be an actual, you know, lengthy presentation. It may be more of a give and take of, for for you folks well, to I, ask your I'm questions. I'm just saying, if it's in writing, if he's yeah, then, then I'd like to see it. If not, fine. You know, we'll just beat the devil out of it verbally. Mm. That it. No. Oh, you got more? <laughs> Jeez, I almost got away with it. Almost. Sorry. Uh, this is just for information. Um, uh, on the council agenda, August 3rd uh, will not be the sight and glance uh, item. We will uh, table that until the planning commission is done with its recommendations. But the appeal item will be on the August 3rd agenda. We'll modify the um, We'll, we'll add the Planning Commission's recommendation. Uh, also on the Council agenda for August 3rd is a contract with a company called Housing Tools, which will update the general plan housing element. That is something that the state requires us to do uh, and to submit to them by July 15th, 2022. So, um, there will be several public and upcoming meetings having to do with the housing element. So uh, you folks will all be invited to participate. And if, if desired, we'll, uh, well, since there's a general plan, we'll, we'll be scheduling a presentation in front of the Planning Commission uh, with a proposed new housing element and also asking you folks to provide input along the way. Uh, we have a... Uh, a new owner at the 70-acre Martin Ranch project, which is up north of the canal, um, at the very north end of the city. Uh, we may be moving to annex the other 120 acres that's up there, where Table Mountain comes and converges with Highway 70. Uh, that, that might be 
uh, a move to annex and to develop a um, major uh, subdivision and Hmong Temple at the same time. Um, mm. Wes, just to give you a heads up, one of the biggest dis discussions and cost-wise and everything else is the extension of the sewer uh, from the project across the canal uh, and all the way down where it's supposed to connect uh, and, and the size of it uh, was a big issue. And mm -hmm. So you just be aware that, that uh, you're dealing with a, a major cost thing. I don't know if they're aware of it. They Staff are. is aware. Huh? Staff and the applicant are aware of that project, and it's being addressed. Oh, aware of the of the, the sewer cost. extension and the cost. Yeah, okay. It would be a multi-year phased project, but yes. Staff is aware. Great. I should have known better. So another item that has been announced at the City Council is uh, vehicle miles traveled, which is a new analysis that has to be included in any CEQA uh, analysis in any environmental document. Um, the threshold for significance for a project, a housing project in particular, is 10 units. So any housing project over 10 units um, is, according to the recommendation of the state, a significant impact and therefore will trigger an environmental impact report and or a statement of overriding considerations. We have several housing projects of 100 units, 150 units, all of that that are, are under consideration. And uh, we are loath to require each of those applicants to do their own EIR. So instead, our strategy is likely to be um, revising our general plan circulation slash transportation element to include this vehicle miles traveled analysis in the uh, element and in the supplemental EIR that would go along with it. Um, that's probably a nine or 10 month process, but at the end, we can end up doing a programmatic significance threshold or statement of overriding considerations that will apply to the entire city. And a statement of overriding considerations would be, yes, we recognize that this project will create vehicle miles traveled because there's gonna be new houses and they have cars and they're gonna go in and out. Uh, usually nine trips per day per household is the, the um, typical ratio there. Uh, but it is in the interest of the city to override this environmental consideration and approve the project anyway. Uh, we're in a rural area and uh, there's really no easy way to mitigate for vehicle trips from a new project. Uh, there's no uh, transit-oriented development around, there's not a, a very frequent bus service, there's no BART, there's nothing like that that exists in urban areas. So. Uh, this is a strategy, and uh, we're going to be developing this strategy over the next several months. 
We also have a greenhouse gas emissions in our climate action plan inventory in our climate action plan, and that may have to be adjusted as well given uh, lots of events since 2015 since uh, that was done. So that may be part of the process. So I hope I haven't over-explained, and I hope I've done clear enough on that. It's a complicated Personally, I'd rather topic. be over-explained than under-explained, because mm -hmm. you lose a lot in under-explaining. But we can always tell you to shut up, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll shut up on that one now, unless there's questions. It seems like it's a good move in downtowns like this neighborhood, you don't need a car. I mean, you don't need to drive. Your miles driven are very limited in comparison uh, to being out in the <coughs> suburbs. So I kind of get the, the idea behind it. Yes. A uh, more walkable uh, city. Housing development downtown here, uh, there's lots of shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of employment opportunities. And mm -hmm. so the vehicle miles traveled for a housing development here would be a lot less. Yes. Per, per unit than it would be mm -hmm. out at uh, Vista del Oro, for instance. Well, you have, uh, like Sacramento, when they put in the light rail. I mean, that's a huge thing, traffic-wise. You know, especially when they extended it up to Folsom. You know, so there's no way we can do things no. like that. I just like to see downtown redeveloped and reused and improved. And that's another good reason to do it, because it's good environmentally. It's, I mean, it's, to me, it sounds like California's killing housing when they need it. That's, <laughs> CEQA has, That's the other side of CEQA it. <laughs> has killed housing, yes. So the, the strategy we're pursuing has been done by the city of Murrieta and, and the city of uh, Vallejo, or is it Vacaville? Vacaville. Is also doing the same, uh, adopting the same strategy. So uh, it hasn't been tested in court, but... Um, that this seems to be the best and, and most logical one for us. Next item. DRC meeting will be August 12th, which is Thursday at 1.30 in the afternoon. We have one item expected, and that is an alcohol use permit to reopen the wine bar on Myers. Ooh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you alcohol drinkers, I swear. <laughs> Lately, yes. The 12th at 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, speaking of that, uh, will, uh, what's it called, uh, moving into the COPA, will that come into here? Nori. Yeah. Are they um, up for, uh, do they have a license, are they using the COPA's license, or are they coming through here? Or? I don't know, you know, I'm not sure about that. We'll have to look further <coughs> into that. I know they're doing their tenant improvements on the building at this time, but I haven't heard um, what their plans are with their license. So they may have acquired the DACOPA license mm, so that they can retain the license for their current location. Because they'll also be, from my understanding, is keeping that other location open and converting it to some other use. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the wine bar is hoping to open by the Salmon Festival. Ooh. So uh, Connor is a close family friend of the owners, and so he'll be expediting the process. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. We'll I have. see. <laughs> That's all I have. how complete their application is. They picked it up today, so we'll probably get it um, Monday. 
Okay, is that it for item seven? We're on to item eight, commission reports. Anybody uh, have anything of interest that the commission might want to hear about? How are we getting another commissioner? Because Tammy is not a commissioner anymore, right? So we have we have not officially received a resignation from um, Commissioner Flicker. Um, I will be working on that over this next month because I I know that that was something that she intended on doing. Um, but I will be following up with her. In the meantime, I've had an application out or an advertisement out for the Planning Commission, the um, Housing Loan Advisory Commission, the Citizens Oversight Commission. Um, there may be one more that I'm missing off the top of my head. But for openings on all of those, um, I the period for receiving those applications has ended. Um, so they will be going to uh, the executive committee for then recommendation to the council for approval to fill the seats. Great. So you had applications. I received four okay. applications uh, for the various commissions and committees. Uh, and so there was some interest. Okay. Um, and so those, like I said, they'll go to the executive committee um, who will then make a recommendation to council and then council will either accept their recommendation or make another alternative motion to fill the seats. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. Um, I forget where it was, but uh, in the packet, uh, it says the meeting starts at 7 o'clock, somewhere in that packet, and I forget where it is. I, I read it, and, and I forgot to make a copy and give it to you, but somewhere... <clears throat> talks about um, what we do and you know, meeting starts or something. It says seven o'clock instead of six o'clock. Sorry, in the agenda packet or in the stuff that I received, you know, the packet. Hmm. I think it had had to do with uh, when we meet, explaining our meeting times and all that. There's a spot that says seven o'clock instead of six o'clock. We'll find it and correct it. Okay. All right. If there's nothing else, we'll adjourn the meeting. And the next meeting is August 26th. Thanks to all of you.